institutions like these feel so far away and unreachable for young people. So I'm really looking forward to starting to close that gap. The torch is, is ready to be passed in the relay, you know, and when you pass the torch to the next person in the relay, the race you ran doesn't get erased, right? It's just someone else's turn. We hope more people can know more about the scientific knowledge of climate science. It is a disaster, but also climate also initiated so many different opportunities and things we can do, like creating new type of jobs uh, for the next generations. You're listening to The Lid Is On. I'm Connor Lennon. On this show, I speak to three exceptional young changemakers who've been recognised by the UN for the contributions they're making to a more sustainable world. V. Kativu is an award-winning education activist from Zimbabwe and the UK and the founder of Empowered by V, a youth empowerment organisation that aims to bridge the gap between academic ability and self-belief. Jamal Hill is an elite American Paralympian and he was a medalist at the 2020 Tokyo Paralympics. He's dedicated to helping others learn how to swim and cut the number of people who drown each year, particularly low- and middle-income communities of colour that are at the greatest risk of drowning. And Karen Wang from China is the founder of CarbonBase, a climate tech startup which provides carbon accounting software to help institutions meet their net zero goals. I spoke to all of them during the ECOSOC Youth Forum in April, and I started by asking Karen Wang to explain the importance of data science in the fight against the climate crisis. So coming from the statistic uh, computer science background, realizing the really challenging issues of global warming, um, so thinking about what we can do, and there's a, apparently huge information gaps, uh, like how we understand the climate issues itself and to leverage the scientific find out we have. Uh, so that is really what inspired us to start the, um, the projects we, help, we were doing uh, and then to bring up the data science uh, to help the companies to measure the carbon footprint uh, and then now to utilize to understand the problem more precisely. Uh, that's a longer version of the background. <laughs> right, so, so we're saying the main problem is a lot of people don't really know exactly what the, what the main issues are and how mm-hmm. to track them. Yeah, um, so I mean, you start from understanding the problem to be able to manage it better. Uh, so carbon footprint is a measurement about uh, with the equivalent like global warming, uh, and then we can use a standardized language to understand how serious this issue is, uh, and then this is where we're targeting from. Now, your focus is on, on the Asian market for, for companies based there. Do you think that companies and also institutions in Asia are taking the problem seriously enough? Asian is more than half of the global population. Uh, so coming from China, uh, it's where uh, the, I think most of the vulnerable countries are located at. Uh, so that's part of the background of what we're focusing on. But also, like the background is not much has been done, so we need a lot of capacity building. Uh, and that also extended to uh, what I'm currently doing at Imperial College London. Like We are trying to research on the climate finance to bring more uh, especially private sector investment into the Asian sector. Uh, and then of course, like through uh, the understanding of the issue with uh, my startup uh, is working on. Um, let me turn to you now, Jamal. Uh, so you've started a foundation, <coughs> as we said, you, know, you want more people to be able to swim, you want to cut the, uh, the risk of drowning, and you started a foundation called the Swim Up Hill Foundation. Nice mm-hmm. pun, I like it. Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, that last question that you asked Karen about whether or not she thought her government was doing enough for that issue. Uh, I don't think the world over, but especially our government in the United States is doing enough about the drowning endemic, which is really one of the last great endemics to be facing our country. Uh, and It's actually much larger of an issue around the world. How bad is the problem? Uh, so bad so that 
It's one of the top ten leading causes of death for all persons 25 and under. Top one leading cause of death for child mortality rates, five and under, that's all around the world. Uh, and like most things, you know, it's a, it's a, a project of, a product of miseducation, absence of education, absence of access, and we all know a lot of that comes down to poverty. So really uh, at the root of this swim education thing, you know, we kind of feel like we are also shifting our youth into brighter economic futures, namely just by allowing them the opportunity to live and grow. Uh, what pushed you to become an elite swimmer? Oh, uh, I learned how to swim at a very young age. I was in Mommy and Me at 10 months old. My mom really never learned how to swim growing up in Compton, and so when she had me, it's like, this kid's going to know how to swim. So I was, I was a fish from a from little one. I swam up until I was 10, and that's when I was diagnosed with Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, a rare neuropathy that pulled me out of the water uh, for almost another 10 years, and I started to get back into it in my later high school. And, you know, uh, pretty much for, for, for most of my life, I lived, you know, in a proverbial disability closet, um, when people look at me, I don't fit the, 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 the stigma of disability, right? That is limb amputation or, or blind or, or with a cane, just, you know, just common tropes of disability. And so I felt ashamed, you know, I hid it for a long time and I was able to hide it. I was able to blend in and, and uh, it wasn't until after college and when I started working with my current swim program, my current coach, Wilma Wong, that I really had the courage to just kind of stand up and, and share my story and, and it's been amazing how, really just kind of how like one person telling their truth will help someone else tell their truth, you know? So uh, it's, it's been great. That's how I got involved with the Paralympic movement. Uh, as an adult, first time I'd ever heard about it and, and it was a way to continue my dream of swimming just by being me. And uh, do you feel like you've had an impact by talking to other people living with disabilities to, as you say, get out of that closet? A hundred percent. You know, uh, a big reason why people hide is because they feel like they're going to be judged. So it's people inside and outside of the closet. Uh, and I think that is definitely something that, that I try to use, you know, with my platform. And V, your, your area is education. You want to help students achieve their potential. Do many students need that support? Yes, absolutely. I think that empowerment, especially in the academic space, sometimes goes unnoticed. And I always tell teachers in different governments around the world that having a young person with a GPA of 4.0 or an A star is pointless if they don't feel like they can use that A star, if they don't feel like they can take up space in the academic spaces. So, yes, absolutely it's needed. And what kind of things are holding young people back from achieving their potential? Yeah, sometimes it's their economic background, their race, sometimes it's the school they're in, it's under-resourced, teachers are underpaid. There are so many different issues that then end up in the hands of these young people so that by the time that it comes to applying for universities or taking up space in the classrooms, they don't feel good enough, they don't feel seen, they don't feel heard. And even if they're academically talented, for as long as they don't have that empowerment on not just how to get into school but how to stay in school, then we have a huge problem so yeah I've seen it around the world in many different contexts and, and what kind of what kind of solutions are you looking at yeah, I think that we need to start having more education financing. We need to start paying our teachers more. We need to start financing our schools more. We need to focus on the issues of girls and women and how we've got so many out of school currently. I think that there's a lot that can be done and I think we have a very long way to go. I mean, it's a big problem, isn't it? Um, yeah. How did you stop getting overwhelmed by it and think I can actually make a difference here? 
Yeah, it started when I got into the University of Oxford. I didn't expect to get into that space and there were so few people that looked like me or sounded like me in that space and I got so angry about it that I began posting videos online encouraging other young people from backgrounds like mine that they can come here and be their unapologetic selves and as I got into that work I'd get more and more messages from young girls and women around the world saying I wish I could go to school but actually I'm in child marriage right now or there's not enough money in my country or all these different issues and I just got angrier and angrier and I thought I can't sit here feeling mad let me start doing something about it so that's how I got into it yeah and like Jamal do you, do you feel that just by acting you've managed to make a difference yeah I can see that like even the small differences I'm able to make I've gotten so many messages from young people saying you've encouraged me to finally step into that space they get into education they learn these skills they take it back to their communities encourage other young people to go and I think education it's a big tool it's like a superpower the more you know the more you can do the more you learn the more you know about your human rights especially for girls and women they now know what's right and wrong what people can and can't do to them how to report certain things you now know how to help in issues like the climate crisis you're learning more so you can contribute to the world in a different way and I think it's a big injustice to exclude underserved young people from the education system because there's a lot to gain so I will keep on doing this work for as long as I possibly can and we're speaking today on the first day of the uh, of the youth forum yeah. here at UN headquarters yeah. and a question for all of you I'll start with you V mm -hmm. what do you want to get out of this event I just hope to see young people get listened to and heard. I think that often people shy away from giving young people the platform because they're worried that we don't know what we want or we don't know how to solve some of these issues. Some of the biggest movements that we've seen in the world in climate, in education, are being led by young people and I think it's high time that those in positions of power stop, zone in, listen and ask how can we help? What resources can we give to you? Because trust me, we all know what we want and need. We just need the support to get there. So I hope that these next three days are a beautiful collaboration of listening, learning and supporting and that people leave with tangible actions and tangible resources to make their movements come more to life. And one of those big issues is, uh, is uh, the climate crisis, of course, Karen. Uh, what do you think you can achieve by being here during this week? Yeah, um, I mean, as we pointed out, uh, part of what we all do here uh, is education. Uh, but part of the educators also like, um, uh, like to share what we uh, walk through. So my hope uh, in here is really uh, similar like COP, uh, back to Shama Sheikh. I think all the conference is just a starting point uh, and the starting point of uh, giving actual support uh, to participants who are able to be here or not. Uh, and I think like for my circle, uh, actually not, not many people know about this conference. Uh, so I think like uh, something really concrete uh, is uh, giving the concrete uh, examples like what young people can actually do in not just climate change, um, but like giving the what we do, like uh, we hope more people can people can know more about the scientific knowledge back uh, of climate science. Um, and yeah, so seriously, it's uh, I think it's it's a really good starting point to give concrete support, uh, implementations, guidance uh, to people who live in different countries, regions, and, and know like uh, it's not just I mean it is a disaster, but also climate also initiated so many different opportunities and things you can do, like creating new type of jobs. Uh, for the next generations, uh, and then like, it's changing our education format as well. Uh, so really, I think that's what I'm hoping to look for. 
Anything you're particularly looking forward to this week, Jamal? I think, uh, you know, I just really love being surrounded by inspiring, bright people. Um, makes me feel at home, so I'm, I'm hoping to just get comfortable this week. <laughs> That's a good answer. Well, you've got two right here already. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, why is it important to have a forum for young people at the UN? Uh, well, specifically a forum for the youth. Why do you think that's important? You know, I, sometimes I joke that growing up, the only thing I knew about the UN came from an Austin Powers film when he was holding the world ransom. Uh, but on a more serious note, even coming from those film experiences in our school systems, I never learned a whole lot much more than that. Uh, so now, as, as, as an older, young person, adult, uh, the vernacular with young people gets sticky to me <laughs> sometimes. Uh, at first, I thought young people meant kids, and then I realized it means, you know, either way, uh, it's... To me, you're all young. You're all very young. Exactly. It's also <laughs> subjective. Um, but, no, uh, it's just, it's a great opportunity, just a great opportunity to connect, a great opportunity um, just to show, you know, that... that the torch is, is ready to be passed in the relay, you know, and when you pass the torch to the next person in the relay, your, uh, what, the, the race you ran doesn't get erased, right? Mm -hmm. It's just now continued. It's just someone else's turn, and, and they, we all need each other to, uh, to keep it going. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And V, you've come branded today. You've got the <laughs> this SDG wheel, 17 yes. Sustainable Development Goals, and behind us as well, we can see all 17 of them. Uh, let's talk a bit about the, the SDGs. I'm just wondering, well, before you came, how much did you know about them? Did you know anything about them before you came, and, and, and what do they mean to you? Yes, I knew a little bit about them, but I think spending these past six months at the UN has been amazing because my focus has always been SDG 4 and SDG 5, right? So now I'm getting to understand the rest of them and how they all work together because you can't really have one without the other. You can't discuss education without discussing the climate crisis. Like, they all go hand in hand. So, yeah, I'm just hoping to learn more, hoping to keep sharing them with other young people out there because, like Jamal said, sometimes institutions like these feel so far away and unreachable for young people. So I'm really looking forward to starting to close that gap and I think the help of having the young leaders going out there and advocating for the SDGs and like I said before young people are already doing this work we just need to be able to like come together and do this movement as one so yeah I'm excited and I think the biggest thing I'd love to get out of these next three days is just for young people to know that you have a seat at the table and for the UN to also understand that young people's opinions and values are so so important so I just hope to see that merge together really. Well as you said I was seeing if I could remember off by heart what four and five were. I'm guessing one of them is education. Yes. Without looking behind you. Let me have number a look. four is quality education and number five is gender yeah, equality. Well, you all knew that didn't you? Of course yeah. You <laughs> so the two of those for me are huge. Girls and women and education and seeing how we can start to get more into schools. That was V Kativu talking to me during the ECOSOC Youth Forum. You also heard Paralympian swimmer Jamal Hill and data science entrepreneur Karen Wang. You've been listening to The Lid Is On, and we'll hear from more inspiring young people on next week's show.